Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford, and we're glad to have you with us today. Our topic is the Phoenix Lights. This is another one where if you're not already a UFO enthusiast or are not already into conspiracy theories, then you may not have heard about it, but it is pretty well known and pretty well documented. And it happened uh, not very long ago, 1997, so not even 25 years ago. Hi there, Lori. Hey, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, really hard to, for me to believe it's uh, been that long. 1997 does not seem like it was 24 or 25 years ago. Yeah, me too. Uh, that was the year when my son was born. Actually, he was born in March, just a few days before all this. Uh, and I was stationed in North Carolina. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to grasp how the years have gone by and how so many things have ch- happened and how so many things have changed, uh, especially seeing our kids turn into young adults, you know, 20-somethings, right? <laughs> yep, uh, we are uh, definitely getting old for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Sunrise, sunset, swiftly flow to days, uh, just like the fiddler on the roof. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Phoenix Lights was an aerial phenomena that was seen mostly in the area of Phoenix, Arizona, on March 13th, uh, 1997, between 7.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. Uh, there are reports from quite a few people, thousands actually. And as with many of these kind of incidents, the witness statements uh, obtained are very inconsistent. Right. Well, enough people saw it and that it made a big, big enough story on all of the local news channels and There is even video footage that has now since uh, gone viral, of course. Um, Strange lights were seen as flying or as hovering, uh, even as floating by thousands, not hundreds, but by thousands of people who claimed that they went uh, went along a path that came out of Nevada and passed over Arizona, eventually going into Mexico. According to uh, Tony Ortega, who was a writer for the Phoenix New Times, uh, mentioned in East Skeptic, a website in August of this year, that there were two separate events that happened that night. Uh, The first being the sighting of a boomerang-shaped object that was first reported as being over Prescott at 8.15 p.m., and then over Phoenix at 8.30, and then west of Tucson around 8.45, finally turning to the southeast to head into Mexican airspace. Yeah, and he goes on to say that there is uh, very little video footage and Uh, very few photographs of of this object. Uh, Some people said it was flying at a pretty low altitude and moving at a pretty low speed, and that it was headed southeast out of Nevada towards the Phoenix uh, metropolitan area. Now, it didn't turn to the south. Um, uh, Some even said it seemed to be following along Interstate 17, which, you know, uh, heads out of uh, Phoenix towards uh, Flagstaff area, of course. And then it uh, went to the southwest past Ila Bend and towards Kitt Peak Observatory, uh, which is west of Tucson. Uh, it then supposedly veered to the southeast, which took it across the Mexican border. And from there, it was never seen again. Right. And these accounts uh, could have been conflated with the other ones in which people uh, saw what was said to be a formation of smaller objects in a V-shaped pattern. So you have this report of a large object and a report of a bunch of smaller objects in the formation. Now, this hypothesis is supported by the incongruency of the times in which the larger object 
would have been spotted at different parts of Arizona. So to be over Prescott at 8.15 in the evening and then near Tucson at 8.45 means that it would have had to been traveling at about 400 miles per hour. And that contradicts what the witnesses have said about it seeming to move slowly, almost like it was hovering. And the footage that has been shown on the TV um, you know, uh, news uh, clips and uh, on the Internet make it look like it was indeed a, a slow-moving object. So according to Matthew Hendley, also with the Phoenix New Times, uh, who wrote in uh, March 2014 that there was a man in Scottsdale who used a large telescope to look at the lights, and he said that they were a formation of objects. He didn't say it was one large object. He said it was a formation of objects, and supposedly it was told to Henley that the telescope had a magnification of 60 times, and that upon uh, focusing on one of the lights, that it appeared to be attached to something square-shaped and, and small. Uh, small meaning that it could have been up at a very high altitude. And based on what this witness saw, he thought that they were airplanes, but unknown what type of airplanes. Uh, they seemed like ones he had never before observed. Yeah, now some people, including uh, Fife uh, Summington, the governor of Arizona at the time, held a uh, press con conference where he joked about it with someone dressed up in a gray alien suit. However, the, govern the governor later changed his tune and claimed to also have seen the lights and that he also thought they were something otherworldly. Symington was also in the Air Force and later went on to say, uh, I'm a pilot and I know just about every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything that I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Um, other people saw it, responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it. And that's a good question to ponder um, because why would people ridicule that? Is it because of what we mentioned in last week's episode? Uh, is it because of fear, fear of not knowing what it was and uh, to it being unsettling to the mind so that to accept that it was a you know bunch of flares is something that uh, eases the anxiety of the unknowns. So the first event described a V-shaped object the size of a commercial airplane. Um, a witness said he observed it glide over the Sierra Estrella Mountains and that the object was at least a mile wide. He, he believed that in, in no way was it from our world. Um, we don't have anything that big, he said. It was totally silent. Uh, I've never seen anything even close to the colors from the exhaust that propelled that thing. Uh, it was as big as downtown Prescott and completely blocked out the stars. Now, of course, several bases were contacted, Luke, uh, davis Monton, Nellis, Holloman, uh, but they all denied any part of it, saying there were no exercises going on in any of the Air Force ranges in Arizona. Uh, at least they, they, they said that at first, but later the Air Force took responsibility, stating that the lights were just flares dropped by A-10 Warthogs with the Maryland uh, Air National Guard out over the Barry Goldwater Range during an exercise called Operation Snowbird. Now, I've worked plenty of midnight shifts near Barry Goldwater, and I've seen what it looks like when, uh, when flares are dropped. I can assure you that none of them never ever formed a V, and they only last a matter of a few minutes, not hours. It's not difficult to tell that uh, they are not flares. Again, you know, we see a similar issue with the military and how they handled Roswell, which was acknowledgement and then denial. So 
Um, but this was the opposite, denial and then acknowledgement. But Roswell, they first claimed they had the crash UFO, uh, but then denied it and changed the story to it being a weather balloon. With this, they denied they had anything to do with it at all and then said they dropped flares. Yeah, and for those uh, uh, who do not know what these flares are, they're countermeasure devices that are employed to defeat the heat-seeking capabilities of anti-aircraft missiles. The idea being that if such a missile is launched to shoot down a plane, the intense heat from the flares, called IR flares, uh, IR for infrared, will draw the missile away from it. Obviously, quite a few are dispensed to increase the tendency of the heat-seeking missile to go towards one of them instead of the airplane. Uh, Another countermeasure device used is chaff, uh, which are metallic fibers that can be dispensed, much like the flares. And this is used to deceive radar and impede it from detecting and tracking the aircraft. Um, Most of the combat and transport aircraft, you know, like the A-10s, the F-15s, the B-52s, the C-130s, and many others, are equipped with these uh, electronic countermeasure systems and have been so for decades. And it is standard for them to be tested in various flight exercises. The question is, if, if these were discharged by a formation of A-10s with the Maryland Air National Guard as part of training, then why were they said to have been seen over the city? The Goldwater Range is over 30 miles to the southwest of Phoenix, and the flares would have been observed off in a distance. Yet the reports are that they were over the city. And does this mean that the exercise was going on over Phoenix Metro? And that would not be standard procedure, and it would be against both military and FAA regulations if that were the case. Uh, special clearances and authorizations would have had to have been made for that to happen. So it doesn't seem likely. And that leaves us with a discrepancy between the official statement and what was witnessed by a lot of people. So with this incident, the government at first denied having any part uh, to it, saying, No, uh, we have no operations going on that have anything to do with that. But then they realized, almost as if they made a blunder, uh, that since this thing is quite possibly an extraterrestrial spacecraft, uh, that they better go ahead and claim that it is part of their operations and quickly, uh, so as to divert the the attention from it being alien. And they did. So that's when they said that it was U.S. military planes that had uh, dispensed high-intensity flares, which provided a reasonable explanation for the lights. So the media bought it, just like they did with uh, Roswell, and it became the conventional perception. However, many in the public still didn't accept it. Yeah, and they didn't accept it for the the same reason that people didn't accept the lighthouse explanation to the Rendlesham incident. Right. The old Fordness lighthouse was a familiar and common sight so too would have been the appearance of IR flares uh, out toward the Goldwater Range. Uh, This anemone caught uh, people's attention because it was moving in in a different manner. Uh, It was actually traveling in a V-shaped formation, which is not the way flares drift downward to the ground. Governor Symington even said himself later that as a pilot and a former Air Force officer, I can definitely or definitively say that this craft did not resemble any man-made object I've ever seen. And it was certainly not high altitude uh, flares because flares don't fly in formation. He initially recounted this observation of it 
uh, as a great big delta-shaped thing that came out of the northwest and hit it down towards the southwest valley. He also said that it was really eerie, uh, like nothing he had ever seen before, as it had embedded lights and that he considered it to be otherworldly. Yeah, so, you know, we ourselves, Laurie, we, we actually have searched for witnesses uh, who we could talk to, who, you know, people who we uh, knew had been living here back in 1997, who, who might be able to say that they had seen the Phoenix Lights. Uh, you and I had um, already said that we weren't living here in 1997, uh, and, was, and so we can't even say that we would have been here at the time it happened to uh, even know of anybody to talk to at that time, but you know, just talking to people who we know have been here for a while, none of them even uh, say that they they came close to seeing it uh, in, in the part of Arizona where we've been talking to them. So whether they were in you know the Phoenix Metro or in the Tucson Metro, um, thus far nothing. <laughs> so you know, our own inability to find people who would have seen or have even heard about it uh, doesn't help give credence to the story. Uh, Strangely, almost everyone I know who has been living here in Arizona for their entire lives know almost nothing about the Phoenix Lights. It's kind of strange and kind of odd. Um, not that that means anything. Uh, I'm just saying it's it's strange. Now, Laurie, you have said you have talked to someone um, who once said that she did see uh, the V-shaped craft, the large V-shaped craft, uh, fly overhead. And that was you know this large object and not a formation of several smaller ones. So where did she say she saw it? Yeah, so um, I was speaking to her, and she's actually a fan of our podcast now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but she told me that uh, I think it was her family, some of her family members that witnessed it, and that, well, I don't know if I don't think it was the Phoenix Lights, but it was something that was uh, not so much a boomerang shape, but more like a triangle with like rounded corners. Um, but what's even more strange than that is how she said uh, it had a sort of transparency to it, like you couldn't see all the way through it, but it was camouflaged in, in some sort of way. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Uh, almost like it, it could bend light into the background of the night sky, like kind of giving it the appearance of something, uh, I guess, like a moving mirror. Um, and the optical, it's the optical illusion of free space uh, caused by the bending of visible light. Exactly. But I guess similar to how the Predator looks in the Predator movies, you know, when um, it would move and you would only see it as like something that was distorting the light when he's going from trees uh, or from tree to tree in the jungle, making it invisible. And at this point, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the U.S., uh, military had been secretly testing this kind of cloaking technology on its aircraft. Indeed. So, so you know, oddly enough, one of the witnesses to the Phoenix Lights is uh, Kurt Russell, the actor. Yep. Uh, in an interview with the BBC back in June of 2017, he said he was uh, flying his private plane into Sky Harbor Airport um, on that evening, uh, which was you know, March 13th, 1997, and that's when he saw him. Uh, he said he called to inform the control tower that he had visual contact with them. I guess it was at about his 11 o'clock position, uh, as apparently air traffic control didn't advise them of it being in the terminal airspace as they seemed to not be aware of it. So that means he and other pilots weren't not warned about its proximity, which is against known aviation procedure. Um, 
the air traffic controllers are supposed to advise pilots of any nearby traffic. And, and so he claims that it was six objects that were right over the airport, more or less, and that they were in a precise V-shaped formation. So here he is flying into Sky Harbor, uh, you know, Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, and he notices them not 30 miles to the, in a southwest direction, but right over the city. Yeah, now, now the statement from that uh, Maryland Air National Guard squadron was that the flares were of high intensity and were released at a high or pretty high altitude of uh, 15,000 feet and that they were therefore seen by the Phoenix residents as somehow moving slowly across the sky because they were drifting downward from a very high hop above. Um, but again, this doesn't explain how they were seen moving in a formation or why they uh, would have drawn so much attention from the public to begin with. Uh, this would not have been you know, the first training exercise, of course, out of the Goldwater range. And the sight of flares being released would have been a familiar one. So why did it cause such a stir on this particular date? Yeah, no, no, that, that is interesting. That is a peculiar um, thing to note uh, that, you know, that these exercises have happened many, many times. And they still go on. Um, and nobody really thinks too much about them, but for some reason on March 13th, 1997, and I'm sure there were other dates as well, but in, on this case, uh, it drew a lot of people's attention. Um, you know, what is also strange about, about the Phoenix lights is the lack of corroborating stories of it being seen anywhere over Mexico. Uh, now it was believed to have, uh, last been seen heading out of us airspace into Sonora, yet there are accounts that, uh, there are no accounts that have been brought forward to tell of a V-shaped craft uh, being seen flying down there. Uh, there are other incidents of lights being seen in Mexico, uh, in places like Campeche, uh, Puebla, and Mexico City, uh, but they're, they're all separate incidents. Uh, although they are similar to the, sep the Phoenix lights, uh, they're separate incidences. There are many incidences of, of lights being seen in the sky um, in the U.S. and in Mexico. Yeah, that's not surprising. The uh, the region of Sonora is quite rural with a, uh, a lot of small towns that are pretty far apart. Uh, once it moved away from the metropolitan areas around Phoenix, uh, there there are not very uh, uh, few reports of, of it being uh, witnessed by people on the ground, even in Arizona. So I imagine that uh, there would be very few of them from the Mexican side of the border anyway. You know, I can't help but think of how all these reports of aerial phenomena with the conflicting information, uh, you know, with the embellishment and with the confusion of how this lends some reliability to the ancient astronaut theory in this way. If, if you consider how we in the 21st century with all our advances in technology, you know, our breakthroughs in scientific knowledge and our creativity in the use of our intellect and our ability to understand and describe our world. And if we see something like the Phoenix Lights and we're baffled and mystified by it and are left decades later with no definitive explanation, then just think of how much more so our ancient ancestors would be completely incapable uh, of just being able to mentally and, and cognitively process it, of even being able to talk about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, just think of how they would describe it. I mean, if we today of the modern age are at a a loss for words to say what it is or where it is from, 
how much more confused would they be if if, if they saw lights in the sky? Um, I mean, we do that today. Again, bringing up the the Tic Tac incident off the coast of uh, of uh, of California, I think it was San Diego, right? Um, they described it as a Tic Tac because we don't know exactly what it was. The pilots didn't know exactly what it was, but what it was to them, it looked like a it was similar to a Tic Tac. And previous uh, sightings from way back, probably in the 20s and 30s, they referred to it as an egg because, well, a Tic Tac didn't exist uh, back then. So, um, but even if they were something like, say, the IR flares, the ancient peoples would call it supernatural or divine. Uh, just think of how the SpaceX uh, Starlink satellites looked a few months uh, ago when they were clustered together and still ascending and spreading out into their orbital paths um you've seen them right that long line of lights crossing the sky haven't you oh yeah i i saw them uh, like seven months ago uh they were passing overhead out here in the early evening and it, it did look pretty freaky i have to say um it, it's something out of the ordinary it's not what you see all the time you don't just dismiss it as nothing important because you're not used to seeing it so it does stick out and you take notice of it so i mean imagine if the phoenix lights were seen by uh, the people of Greece in the 5th century BC, or, or for that matter, the Starlink uh, satellite cluster whizzing across the sky. You know, what kind of legends would be told? What oracle would the priest summon and tell as being a sign for the people and to be written down in the sacred text? What new religious cult would have been started because of something like IR flares or communication satellites were being seen flying overhead? To us, in this day and age, they are unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena, possibly from other planets. Uh, to those in ancient Greece, they would have been uh, Zeus or Apollo. To those in ancient Babylon, they would have been Marduk or Ninurta. To those in ancient India, they would have been Shiva or Ganesha. Um, they would have been the gods. Um, they would have been the gods brilliantly and dazzlingly racing their fiery chariots across the nighttime heavens. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, stuff for which we don't even bat an eye uh, would for for them change their lives and the lives of their descendants for generations to come. Um, and it would be even more impactful and more deeply embedded in the oral tradition of people if it was even further back in time, say, to the 13th or 14th century B.C. Consider a, a Neolithic people who did not even yet have written language, uh, how they would tell and retell up the spectacle. The unexplainable spheres of, of light were, were moving high above them, like nothing they could possibly conceive. I mean, if we uh, see, thing, see these things and we're amazed by them, uh, even when we usually know what they are, I can only fathom what would go through the mind of someone who was a Stone Age or Bronze Age nomad. Yes, and, and interestingly enough, much of the subject matter uh, that is the basis of our religions do indeed seem to be derived from the stuff that people uh, were said to have been seeing going on in the skies uh, so very long ago. Yep. Um, now, in an article by Inverse.com by Emily uh, Gaudet, as dated back in April 21st, 2017, Governor Symington later told CNN that he was convinced that the lights were not from Earth and that he was trying to not cause panic among his constituents. 
the question I have is why the Phoenix Lights were talked about so much in newspapers for four months before the Air National Guard announced that they had conducted a uh, an exercise over Phoenix on March 13th. This is where they claim that the A-10s flew in a V formation before they dropped the high-intensity flares. Uh, and of course, as we alluded to before, most people were okay with this explanation. But why? Uh, like you mentioned, Joe, if they were doing special exercises like this, then they should have notified Sky Arbor Airport so as to make them aware of the exercises in order to avoid incidents with commercial airliners. When you think? Oh, yeah, sure. If they did not do that, uh, if they did, they went ahead and performed an exercise uh, like that in a controlled airspace, which is what is the airspace over a, a major metropolitan city like Phoenix. And if they did that without authorization, uh, without being granted that authorization by high-level directors, then many, many military personnel would have dropped the ball in a very serious way. Uh, this wouldn't have been the mere mistake of one operations planner. This would have been a gross oversight by the squadron commanders, uh, the MAGCOM liaisons, uh, the Goldwater range coordinators, as well as all of the pilots who were flying into formation. The chances of at least one of those individuals not confirming that clearance was indeed filed to do this over a populated city like Phoenix uh, seems inc inc unconscionable to me, seems inconceivable to me. Uh, surely this matter would have been checked off by, by someone uh, in, in that organization. Now, not only that, but when asked due to the influx of reports coming in, they simply said they weren't doing anything. And, and it takes them four months um, four months before they, they come out with an explanation and pretty lame one at that. Um, it took them an unusually long time to get the A-10 story out. And once again, the media and majority of citizens accepted the explanation. Oh, thank God it was just flares, not aliens. Uh, see, those nerds were wrong again. <laughs> uh, I knew all along it wasn't UFOs. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's how many of these uh of these people reacted uh fact fact of the matter um uh is uh, if the air guard was actually doing those exercises then they would have made that known when first asked and instead they straight up lied by saying they weren't doing anything but once the word was getting out and around um about the event they realized the issue they scrambled the jets and commenced dropping the uh, the flares um and yet another article off of the uh, website express.co.uk there were other sightings also in 1997 that were within the 24 hours of, of one another um actually i think it was 2016 uh, that 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 happened um the first was at 8 30 p.m because this is a separate issue or, or incident altogether it was at 8.30 p.m. on a Saturday, and according to MUFON, a married couple were speechless after the uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience, as they put it, quote-unquote, of witnessing an enormous triangle-shaped object flying silently in the direction of Los Angeles. Now, the husband later wrote, at exactly 8.30 p.m. over our heads, there suddenly appeared a triangular-shaped object with uh, very dim lights of almost yellowish tone. Um, the second one was at 9.15 p.m. in Geneva, Ohio, which was a triangle with uh, seven lights 
Uh, it was said to glide due west and was very close and very big and had produced no noise. The witness stated to my wife uh, and I, there was no doubt that what we were witnessing was not man-made, was not a man-made airplane or drone because it looked nothing like a drone, an airplane or a helicopter. Uh, it was flat and it produced no noise, uh, almost like the object was trying to sneak through the sky. Now, in February of 2010 in Florida, a graphic designer observed a triangle-shaped object with, um, again, seven lights hovering uh, over buildings. There were other reports in Illinois and in Sedona, Arizona, and in most of these cases, they were described as large and either silent or humming. But on November 14, 2010, at uh, 1.45 a.m., a witness in California reported seeing a triangle-shaped UFO uh, the size of a football field move off, move along without again any noise at all well one of the problems with the statements provided about the phoenix lights and uh, about the other similar incidents is that there are many witnesses who are anonymous and whose names we don't know so we cannot cross-check them uh, we also have many people who cannot be verified as actual eyewitnesses meaning their statements are not first-hand accounts but are actually the retelling of what they heard from someone else and unknown who else uh, that person may be. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look up the Phoenix lights on YouTube and stuff, you, you see a lot of people actually are saying, Oh yeah, I saw them. And there's some of them that get really, really detailed um, on it and all, but um, yeah. So yes, there are, there are, but there are many inconsistencies from everyone, but that includes the government too. I mean, was the Phoenix Lights extraterrestrial in origin, or was it the next big U.S. military big reveal, like saying bye-bye to things like the uh, stealth bomber and, hello, a stealth airborne aircraft carrier? Um, much like the one seen in the Avengers movies, that's kind of cloaked. Um, and maybe it was in, 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 uh, in the movie as a precursor as to uh, what's to come, as far as I'm concerned. If it's in the movies, we can eventually build it, even here, <laughs> which means that it's definitely a possibility for there to be a secret space program, possibly. Um, if we can build giant aircraft carriers and skyscrapers down here, then we can build giant spacecraft carriers up there, especially if we learn how to build them from reverse engineering the aliens' advanced spacecraft system technology. We must keep in mind that these lights moved into Arizona from Nevada. Remember, um, it's not a huge stretch from of the imagination to think that they may have originated from Area 51. Uh, this seems to line up with all of the other strange sightings that have been reported in that part of the southwestern United States. Now, in, in the book that's titled uh, The Phoenix Lights, A Skeptic's Discovery That We Are Not Alone, uh, author and actress Lynn Kitai says that there were about 100,000 people who saw uh, the Phoenix Lights and that on that evening there were uh, 911 operators who were getting barraged with calls about it. And she documents the accounts of many of these people from various parts of the city and concluded that there were a series of sightings taking place around that time. So Kitai also says that she herself witnessed it, uh, not only on March 13th, 1997, but two years before that, but she didn't come forward with it until sometime after 1997. 
And uh, now she she does mention uh, in a, two, a 2017 interview with Muriel Inglefield uh, with Phoenix Magazine that she is aware that in March of 2000, there were three Air National Guard pilots who um, attempted to reenact this incident uh, using the, the official statement as given by uh, the Air National Guard as uh, that it was dispensing IR flares over the Goldwater Range. Um, but they were unable to do it. They were unsuccessful in recreating this, uh, the Phoenix Lights in this manner. So they were not able to make it look like they did or make it look like how the lights did look in 1997. So while a lot is unclear with the statements that have been given in regards to how much is uh, anecdotal and how much is factual, we also see that the official statement given by the military um, about the training exercise is problematic in and of itself. It simply doesn't add up and it isn't supporting uh, the facts. And that is the lights were seen by a whole lot of people and they were recorded in photographs and on video. And the way they were moving across the sky defies um, our rational explanations. So the information we have from the public is inconsistent and sketchy, but so is the information given to us by our own government. Yes. So uh, as always, you, the audience, must decide if the evidence supports belief that the lights were a formation of A-10s on a training mission out at the Barry Goldwater Range that were dropping IR flares, as is stated by the official Defense Department position. Do you agree with that, or do you think there is something more otherworldly about the whole thing? We're interested in hearing what you guys think. Yeah, of, of course, we realize that the, the solid proof, the smoking gun, uh, evidence to these topics is is lacking, and and we therefore often reach a non-conclusive kind of conclusion. But that is what true intellectual exploration is. It is following the facts, like you're on a path and seeing where they take you. And sometimes that path runs into roadblocks or dead ends. That's right. Uh, very well said. We strive to be honest on this show, and we know that the truth can be difficult to obtain. And actually. Uh, the truth is often very difficult to obtain. It comes through methods that involve deliberate propositioning, uh, logical analysis, and careful examination of evidence and demonstrated facts. So we present what we've investigated in order to show you what is uh, a possible logical explanation, uh, what uh, there could be in the way of providing an answer, not definitely a way, but what could possibly be a way in providing an answer. These theories need to be debated and challenged and evaluated so that it is uh, that is the part of the process to attaining uh, their validity and their soundness. And for that reason, we welcome any viewpoint, uh, even ones that are in complete disagreement with ours. Yeah, agreed. Um, actually, we prefer uh, those ones that are in disagreement with us. Um, you and I like a good debate, right, Joe? <laughs> um, <laughs> That is how uh, we get closer to finding the truth. That's right. We do. We, we do indeed like to mull over these subjects with a good, healthy wrangling. So that's all for today. Uh, next week, we are going to get into something we mentioned uh, a few months back, and that is the Oumuamua asteroid. That's a hard word to say, the Oumuamua asteroid. It's a strange celestial object that has been Notice to not move through outer space like uh, other asteroids. All right. Um, it seems to be tumbling, uh, not spinning as it should. 
this has led some astronomers to think that it broke off of something larger. Uh, one scientist in particular believes it may be like a piece of space junk, like perhaps a, a, a propulsion equipment jettisoned from a uh, alien craft from some distant star system. So we hope you join us next week for that topic. Yeah, for sure. That definitely would be something incredible if it were so. Uh, I guess it's not hard to fathom as we have so much of our own space junk floating around up there. If there are interstellar travelers way out there, then certainly it is to be expected that they too would discard unneeded equipment and components just as we do. So thanks for joining us, uh, everyone. We hope you all enjoyed the show and we look forward to being with you again. Um, Stay curious. Yeah, and please follow us uh, on Facebook and Instagram and let us know what you think about uh, today's topic. Uh, Have a safe and pleasant week. Take care, folks.